Good morning. If you have your Bible, open it to Joshua chapter 2. As we continue through the book of Joshua, it's important that you understand going into this that Joshua is a picture book. It helps us to understand what the spirit-filled or empowered life is about. You see, the scriptures that are given to us are there for our learning. They're there for us to understand. Paul tells us in Romans 15:4, everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and encouragements of the scriptures, we might have hope. These things are written for our learning so that we could understand. And the book of Joshua is an important type of empowered life, a victorious life. I shared Thursday night that Alan Redpath calls his commentary on the book of Joshua victorious Christian living. If you need a Bible, raise your hand and we can get one to you too while I'm, I'm babbling here. It's important to understand that a lot of us live a life with knowledge of who God is, knowledge of who Jesus is, but we don't live a victorious life. Jesus said in John 10, 10, that the thief comes to steal and to destroy. But I, Jesus said, have come that you might have life and might have it in fullness or abundance. That We are not to just live a life with the knowledge, awareness of God, but we are to live a life that is abundant, that is full, that is satisfying, that is victorious. And yet many of us don't enjoy that kind of life. We don't live that type of life. And as we start off in the book of Joshua, I wanted to set that foundation so that we understand that this isn't just the exploits of Joshua in battle into the land of Canaan, that this is something that is relative to us in our lives, in the battles that we go through, in the life that we live. In chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the home of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. And we'll talk about that a little bit. <clears throat> can't just let that one go by. <laughs> okay, is that okay with you? Uh, Joshua is going into the promised land. We talked a little bit Thursday about the type and what this book means. We talked about how Moses represents the law, but the law could never get you into the promise of God. As we went through the book of Romans, we saw that, that the law that was given to Moses was preceded by the promise that was given to Abraham, and that the law was short of the promise. And so the law could get them up to the promised land, but only Jesus could get them into the promised land. And Jesus is the same name as Joshua. It is the Greek name for the Hebrew name Joshua. Just like there's John and in Spanish it's Juan. It's the same name. It's just a different language. Well, Jesus is Joshua. And so it's no coincidence that Moses can get them to the promised land but can't take them in. But Jesus, Joshua, can. 
And so this type continues. And remember, it started off back in Egypt. It started off with the children of Israel in bondage, captive in Egypt. And then God saw their plight. He saw their condition and he heard their cries and he he raised up Moses to bring them out of Egypt. And then they crossed over the Red Sea. In 1 Corinthians, it tells us that was a type of baptism. As they crossed over the Red Sea, got out of that place of bondage and went across into the wilderness. Much like John the Baptist baptized with the knowledge of repentance. But then remember, there was another baptism that came in Acts chapter 2. And there's going to be another river that is crossed, and it's going to be the Jordan. Where was Jesus baptized and did he receive the Spirit? It was in the Jordan. And you see, God brought them out of bondage, brought them into an understanding of who he was, but he still needs to take them further. And God needs to do the same thing with us. It's not enough to know about God. It's not enough to know about Jesus. We need to be empowered by him. We need his life to be surging through our own. We need the abundance that he talks about. And as Joshua crosses now over to the Jordan and these two spies forge their way across the river, he tells them, go into the land, especially Jericho. And see what's happening. Now, it's interesting because as he sends two spies, 40 years prior to this, Joshua went into this land with 10 others. There were 12 of them all together. 10 of them came back and said, man, we can't go there. The land's got fortified cities, no doubt. Jericho was one of them. It's filled with people of war, giants. We can't enter into that. And only two people came back with a good report. One of them was Joshua. The other was Caleb. And they said, oh, man, the land is great. The, the fruit there is wonderful. The grapes the size of basketballs. We got to go for it. It's ours. Let's go for it. But the others had a bad report. And because of that, they wandered until that generation that was fearful died and was left in the wilderness. So many of us are living a life of wilderness. We're living a life that is struggling. There is knowledge of God. We have been baptized, in a sense, with the knowledge of repentance and knows what, knows what it means to believe in God, but we still have not come into a life of fullness and of faith. And my prayer this morning is that we would see that God is reaching out to us so that we can be empowered and not just live a life that's aware of God, but live a life that is full and in abundance. That we would live a life that exemplifies God's goodness. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul wrote, As you know, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you used to live, when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. That was us. Just like they were in bondage to Egypt, many of us were or maybe are in bondage to this world and the things that are in this world, the things that hold us and keep us. 
And just as Moses represented the law, Joshua, Jesus represents the promise. As the Red Sea was the baptism, Jordan represents that fullness and filling of the Spirit. And as Jesus began his ministry, one of the things he did was he sent out the disciples. He sent them out in Luke 10, 1, it says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. Well, Joshua is now sending out two spies. And as far as these spies know, they are being sent out on a reconnaissance mission. They're going out to spy out the land. But really, we're going to find out that this wasn't a reconnaissance mission, that this was a rescue mission that in the fortified city of Jericho, there was one woman. And God wanted to reach that one woman. Let's continue reading in Joshua chapter 2, starting at verse 2. The king of Jericho was told, well, first let me talk about them going into the prostitute's house. So I don't forget that. Why did they go there? We can't know for certain, but it's very possible that if you were going to go as a spy and go to a place where people wouldn't ask too many questions, this would be a place that you would go. They didn't have Motel 6, Holiday Inn, a place where you could go stay at, but they did have places where prostitutes stay had where you could go and stay and people wouldn't ask too many questions, okay? So that very possibly is why they went in there because it was a place where no one's going to say, oh yeah, you have to sign and say who you are if you're going into a place of prostitute, very possibly. I love how the Bible doesn't say. It doesn't say this is why they, it just puts it out there and it leaves it for us to wrestle with. Why did they do that? What was going on there? Why would they, you know, that doesn't seem okay to me. You know, I, I don't think we should do that, should we? You know, no, that just because it's here doesn't mean it's okay. We're understanding it's a time of war, and most likely this is a place where they could go in secretly. But we see in verse 2, they still are found out. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent his message to Rahab, bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, the men left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you. And that a great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, 
whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window, for the house she lived in was a part of the city wall. And now she said, no, said to them, Go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there three days until they return, and then go on your way. The men said to her, This oath you made us swear will, be not, will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. <clears throat> Excuse me. And unless you have brought your father and mother and your brothers and all your family into your house, if anyone goes outside your house into the street, his blood will be on his own head. We will not be responsible. As for anyone who is in the house with you, his blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on him. But if you tell what we are doing, lay, lay, doing we will be released from the oath that you made. I swear. I agreed, she replied. Let us... Let it be as you say. So she went that way, and they departed, and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. Now, what intrigued me about this story, a number of things, but one of them was, how did this prostitute hear about what God had done? How did she come to know about this? Some 40 years prior, they crossed the Red Sea. And she heard about it somewhere along the line. They didn't have messages to be able to, you know, text, hey, guess what just happened to the Red Sea, you know. They, word of mouth had to travel throughout the wilderness and how it traveled and how many years, we don't know. But eventually it ended up to Jericho. And it could have taken some time. We're, we're so used to things happening immediately. I got a, a video message from my son this morning in Louisiana. As he went to work and they were operating some machinery, one of the areas where you press a button to start the machine, there was a giant cockroach in it. And he decided to video message me so he could see them pulling out a giant cockroach of these things. The, yes, technology is wonderful, I guess. But they didn't have that kind of technology. They didn't have any video messages of the Red Sea parting and them getting across. And so word of mouth went through, and finally it entered into the city of Jericho. And Rahab says that they melted in fear because of what had happened. Because, oh my gosh, if God can part the Red Sea for these people, the land belongs to them. And what's going to happen to us? And then later on, there were the battles with the Amorites, and, and they were victorious and completely wiped them out. Two strongholds in the city, people who they probably battled with throughout the years, and all of a sudden, they were laid waste. 
And it's who's going to stop them. The only thing between them and us is the Jordan River. But God already parted the Red Sea. The Jordan River is nothing to them. And so the stories enter into the ears of Rahab, the prostitute. And what takes place in her life when she hears these stories? It opens up the possibility that God can save me. You see, what I think is interesting is that Rahab didn't just go down the same path and think, oh no, we're destroyed. She thought, if I can get on God's side, then maybe there is hope for me. Instead of fighting against God, maybe I can align myself with him. And you've got to think, what, what situation is she living in? Prostitution is not something you willfully just want to go into. It's something that you go into because you have to feed your family. You have to feed yourself. It's something that you are forced into. And it's something that is frowned upon. Something that is looked down upon. And so here she is, an outcast, looked down upon, forced into a situation that she wouldn't like. But she says there is hope because there is a God out there who is coming and perhaps he will hear me. Perhaps he will reach out to me. And just as we've talked about so many times, and we talked about this with Christmas, with God reaching down to the shepherds and not going to those who were in high places, reaching out to the magi or the wise men, those who were distant, those who were sorcerer, God once again reaches out to a prostitute in the land of Jericho. What are the chances that they're going to go in there and she's going to say, I've heard about you, I'm going to help. Just remember me. What are the chances that that's going to happen? Well, we know that the chances are ordained. They're not just accident. God has ordained those things. And I love what Jesus said in Luke. In Luke chapter, oh, Matthew 18. It's in Luke 2. I think it's in Luke 10, but I wrote down Matthew 18. Verses 12 through 14, it says, What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should be lost. You see... Rahab was one of these. Rahab was one of these that was lost. She was one of these that cried out, and in her heart, God heard her, and God did not forget her. And these messengers that went out for reconnaissance mission were really on a rescue mission. They just didn't know it. They weren't privy to what God was doing. Because it is God's heart to save those who are lost. And 
in the ears of God, there was the cry of this woman. And so he sent two men. Just as Jesus sent two to go out before him to proclaim the good news that he was there, Joshua sent these two people out. Now, what interests me and what makes me wonder and type, where am I? Where are we in this place? You see, because there are people all around us that are shut up and that are bound up and are crying out from behind their walls, that are stuck in lives, that are hurting, that are broken. And God wants to send us to go and break them out and help them to be set free. He is using people like us. And just as he sent the two spies out and they found Rahab, God wants to send us out so that we can find those who are crying out saying, I don't want to live this way anymore. I am sick of it. I need to get out of this. And I don't know if you can remember where you were at. Some of us who have, have changed and surrendered our lives and have given our, our lives over to the Lord and have faith now in the living Christ, if you can remember where you were before and the things that occupied your mind and the, the things that were pressed on your life and the, the quiet desperation that I lived in. And I was just a teenager. And I can remember just laying in bed, staring at the ceiling, thinking, is this all there is? Does my life have any meaning? Is there any peace that I can find? Why am I in such turmoil inside? And I was haunted with the thought, what happens if I don't wake up? What's going to happen to me? And I, like Rahab, when I heard this message, said, I want in. I want out of the life I'm living. I want to align myself with what God has. I'm sick of it. And God heard my cry. He sent someone to me to lead me out of that place of quiet desperation that I was in. And God wants to send you and me into someone else's life. I know stories from some of you that are here where someone in your family, a friend, or someone came to you and said, hey, you need to come to church. And you said, church, I don't do church. I've been to church. I'm not into that candle thing, the whatever, your idea of what church was. I, I just, I don't do that. I, I don't get anything out of it. And they said, no, you don't understand. 
It's not like that. God is real. He speaks to me. Look at, he's changed my life. And you saw the person who you've known for years and you said, something's different with you. What happened? And they said, it's Jesus. He's changed my life and he's made me a different person. And it wasn't that, you know, they told you some truth. It wasn't that they gave you some information. It wasn't that they said they serve coffee and donuts, you know, come on down, it's free. It wasn't any of those things that brought you in. What it was is you saw a life and you saw the change of the life and it drew you like a magnet. It drew you like a moth to the flame and you said, I want what you have. I don't know what's going on, but you're different, and I want what you have. Well, Rahab had heard about this nation coming into the land, changing the land, God with them, and she says, I want in on that. I don't want to live this life anymore. I'm sick of it. But what I see, what I've heard, I believe that there is a God who can change even me. And that's where we find ourselves. Our lives are living testimonies that there is a God who hears the cries of those who are broken and changes them and sets them free. Whatever situation you are in, there are people who have been in that situation and have been delivered by a God who cares and a God who hears. People who have been involved with drugs, addicted in bondage, alcohol, and have been delivered. Unhealthy relationships. depression and God has heard their cry and has responded because he doesn't want you to just know about him he wants to give you a life that is abundant and set free see Abraham knew about God and he asked God a question in Genesis he said will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked if there is someone calling out to you, are you going to sweep them away? And the answer, as we see here, as we saw in Jesus' words, that he'll go out and leave the 99 to find the one, the answer is a resounding no. If you seek, you will find. If you knock, it will be open to you if you ask, you will receive. And, and God is waiting there to receive us to himself, he, just like he received Rahab. And you see, what I love about the scriptures and these stories is it goes to a place where the most unlikely person, a prostitute living in this land, in the city of Jericho, is the one who God hears and says, okay, I'll take you. I hear you, I'll rescue you. Not only does he rescue her, but look up Rahab in your concordance. Do a search. She's found in the book of James as a, an example of faith. 
She's found in Hebrews chapter 11 as a hero of faith. She is found in the genealogy of Jesus himself. You see, David would be her great-great-grandson, King David, descendant of Rahab the harlot. And her great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandson, genealogy-wise, would be Jesus himself. Do you see what God can do with a person who will cry out and say, I will follow after you. I am going to side with you because God is with you. She heard the testimony from the nation as they crossed over the Red Sea. She believed in them. She sided with them. She showed kindness to them, and God showed kindness to her. And God will do the same for us. As she saved them, in a sense, she herself was saved. As she put herself on the line, God met her there. And then it's interesting that the way they were going to save her was a scarlet cord. There again, we, we can't get out of this idea of blood. Scarlet red, that's going to be your salvation. It has to be hanging up on the window so we know that that's going to be the house that we leave alone. And we're going to see that she is rescued. And as you go through the scriptures, you're going to see her name come up again. And we know her as Rahab the harlot. But really, she was Rahab rescued by God, the great-great-grandmother of David, King David, the hero of faith, a person who believed and trusted in God and was delivered. The questions that come to us, the things that I want to challenge us with are twofold. One, are you crying out? Are you in a place of need? Are you in a place where your heart is overwhelmed? Where you are in bondage, you are captive, you are being held in some way by something. And you desperately want out. Well, that's the first step, is wanting the change. The second step is going to the God who can make it happen. Entrusting your life to the God who can change you. Who can give you a life that is abundant. A life that has hope. Because if you're that person, Rahab represents you and me. And the God who heard and reached out and saved her and changed her and made her an example so that others could see, if I could do this with her, I can do this with anybody. The second thing I want to challenge is, if we have been rescued, 
If we have at some point surrendered our life and, and God has heard our cry and has reached down and has brought us up and has bought back our life, has redeemed us, are we listening for the cries of those who are around us? Those who are at your work, those who are at your school, those who are in your neighborhood, those who are in your family, those who are living lives of quiet desperation, crying out, are you able to hear their cry and do you realize that you are the one that God is sending out to reach them? And it might only take, hey, can we talk? Let's get some coffee. And if they can see your life, and the change that has taken place in your life, then you are a witness and an example. And your life will speak more than words can speak. Are you listening to those who are around you? Is God maybe sending us to those? Because how will they hear unless someone is sent? And that's us. And so we're in one of these places. We're either crying out to God in desperation or we're being sent to God to those who are desperate. Or maybe we're in that journey where we've cried out and we're, we're changing and God is doing a work within our lives. But understand that God is caring about those who are lost. He leaves the 99, goes out to them. He sends out those to the the doors and the households of those who he's going to, he sends out the two spies to the city of Jericho and finds the one woman who wants to be rescued and rescues her. He does the same today, and he'll do the same with us or with those around us if we will hear his cry. And so the challenge for us is either to respond to the plea of God to be rescued or to respond and to be sent out and to be a part of rescue team. But God wants to do work. Let's pray. God, I know that I have seen you take the lives of people who are here and transform them in a, a short time. People who have been homeless, in bondage to drugs and bad relationships. People who have had a self-destructive attitude. And I've seen you reach in and change their hearts and not only give them life, but give them a life that is an example to those around them, a life that is full, a life that is abundant. And what we see here in this story of Rahab, Lord, I see here in this room this morning. And really what we see is you. We see what your hand can do if we will surrender. If we will lay our lives on the line, we will find a life in you that only you can give. And Lord, we also see the necessity of going out 
and rescuing those who are lost, rescuing those who are hurting, being the people who hear the plea, who step into the homes and step into the lives of those who are believing and looking for for you. Lord, I pray that you would move us, whatever our situation is. May we respond to you, to draw near to you, or to be used by you. May we recognize that you are God, that you can separate the Red Sea, you can conquer armies, you can rescue a prostitute in a fortified city. There is nothing too difficult for you, but we do need to enter in to your promise. We need to receive you and have you empower our lives. We need to believe in you and entrust ourselves to you that allow your spirit to work in and through us. God, you know the needs that are here. You know which area this applies to each one of us. Lord, I pray we respond and that you would prove yourself faithful. Lord, you will not sweep away the righteous with the wicked. God, may we cry out to you, make us righteous. Change our lives, we pray. We do ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.